How do you, everybody? This is the Inside Handoff, a football podcast, episode 7. This is one of those rare times where we're going to be coming to you after a Thursday, but before a Sunday. So this not, it's not the norm by any stretch of the imagination, but every now and again it's going to happen when we can't get our schedules to line up to record properly, or somebody falls asleep on a couch and goes AWOL until 1 o'clock in the night. <laughs> That's how the week goes, Johnny. Thursdays before Sunday. Thursday is before yeah, Sunday. <laughs> His name starts with a Z, but we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's going to happen. You know, from time to time, we'll be, you know, a little later or even a little earlier some weeks getting out the podcast when we can, where we can, and how we can, just to try and get you guys an episode every week whenever we can. Um, of course, I am your host, John Venus. Pleasure to be here with you guys on this. We're recording about 45 minutes after the Thursday night game has ended, so it's still fresh. It has definitely changed our notes for this evening to a certain degree. Um, yeah, we're going to have a really great show. And of course, joining me tonight, as always, is my lovely colleagues. Uh, obviously, if you've been watching the show for a long time, you know, we've typically had the same orientation of screens since episode one, but we're different this week. We changed it around because things look a little, uh, little differently, so uh, <laughs> instead of uh, the corner where he's usually relegated to himself, now sitting above me if you're watching, it is, it is my boy Zach. How you doing, buddy? Well, you know, I'm awake tonight, and I think that will help us get the podcast done. <laughs> it definitely it's helps. All three of us are here. <laughs> it definitely helps to be awake, or at least to know that, you know, things might not go so well. I mean, you know, this afternoon when I thought there was a high probability I'd just fall asleep halfway through the football game, I let you know. Instead, I woke up halfway through the football game, so a little different than we had planned, but here we are. It's Thursday night, and we're recording. Well, I guess technically now it's Friday morning on the East Coast, but hey, you know, that's a little too technical for me. Um, Joining us again, as always, Jer, how you doing, buddy? I am doing... uh... Pretty good. I did not watch a single second of the football game tonight, so don't come to me for any hot takes on that. <laughs> don't worry, I was only like half watching the game, half not watching yeah. the game. What kind of podcast are we? We have one person watched half and two people watched none. What are we doing right now? What well, do we do? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I watched like, I guess you could say I watched a quarter because I had it on, I was listening to it, so... You know, that, that counts. Yeah, I listened to it. I listened, I listened to over half of it on the radio. It was good, except for a, a brief portion of the third and fourth quarter where the commentary just stopped. Like, there was none. I could still hear, like, the, the stadium sounds, like the whistles and the you know and the ref calls for you know penalties and stuff. But there was no commentary, and it got really weird because you're trying to listen, and all you hear is the sounds of the game but not actually see the game. So it's like... It's awkward there for, for for some commentary teams that might be an improvement. <laughs> no comment. I never have to no. hear Dan Deerdorf again. <laughs> no comment. Um. All right, we're gonna jump right straight into all of the fun stuff we have to do, and uh, it's definitely some news this week. A lot of you know some stuff to talk about, and of course there were some things that happened tonight that even if you didn't watch the game, you know about them obviously because they are definitely uh. Uh, huge, the huge news, no matter how you slice the cake. But we're going to start, we're going to break the huddle this week, and we're going to break it on the most important position on the field, and that is the quarterback. And the rash of quarterback injuries that happened this week. There were four or five starters 
get injured and pulled from games this week? That's a lot of injured starters for one week. It really felt like there was a just, I don't know if it's like a week two curse that the NFL has been going on the past two years, but I mean, week two has just been nasty for injuries uh, all across the league. And I mean, this year was really no different. And th- this year we got hit hard in the quarterback room and uh, some teams, uh, some teams might be better off. <clears throat> Chicago. <laughs> I find I find the Carson Wentz one the weirdest. The guy has two sprained ankles, two. Ah, like what are the chances of that? That's just unfortunate. That's unlucky. Like that's, that's a skill. Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know how you pull that one off? It, it's it's weird that some of these quarterbacks are getting hurt the way they are and how they are. You know, it just there's there's just so many of them. I mean, you run down the list of quarterbacks that got injured in week one. Carson, Tua, uh, Taylor in Houston, Dalton for the Bears. Um, you know, it just it's it's crazy that some of these teams are, are getting hurt. And honestly, really, if there's any one team that can't afford to get their quarterback injured, it's it's probably Houston. <laughs> you know, there's already enough turmoil in that room. Yeah. That I don't think the uh, the Davis Mills project is off to a rip roaring start, judging by uh, the numbers tonight. And Houston is its own big messy pile. I mean, it, Houston is literally falling apart right now. Um, last week they dominate. Uh, yeah, last week they no, but two weeks ago I guess technically it's week three. Uh, they dominated Jacksonville in week one and. Which I think is no big surprise because Jacksonville is what we expected them to be. Uh, Not great on either side of the ball. And then they just couldn't keep up with the Browns. And Tyrod was efficient in the first half before going down with, like Johnny said, the hamstring injury. And he could be out for up to four weeks. Which led to the debut of Davis Mills. And he did not look impressive either. Um... (laughs) <laughs> he was in the yards per plot. The yards per pass play went from a 10.8 with Tyrod to a five with Davis. And he's their starter for at least the next three to four weeks. And, and I mean, if you look down that entire team right now, it's just a, an injury laden mess. Uh, the, the wide receivers, you got Danny Amendola and Nico Collins going down. They're lucky Brandon Cooks is in one piece, although apparently he took a nasty hit tonight, so he might not, you know, what, Chris Conley is going to be wide receiver one? Who took a nasty hit? Uh, Brandon Cooks, apparently. Oh, did he? Yeah, he took some not lo- some not nice-looking hits. Well, Flashbacks of that too. Super Bowl game. Yeah. That's rough. He had a good so, game. You know, they're just running through these wide receivers and they might end up making some phone calls to fill up, you know, guys who aren't on IR. So it's just a mess in Houston. And we knew it was going to be bad even before everybody got hurt. Now that everybody is getting hurt, I, it's, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. Yeah. It's a whole different kind of bad. Like we went into the season you know, okay, they signed to Rod, and he's just fine. He is a perfectly good quarterback in the NFL. You know, he's he's not a star, 
but he's he's usable. He's maintained. He's in the Ryan Fitzpatrick category of starting quarterbacks. You know, you're confident enough in their skills that they can do you know, the bare minimum necessary to have a somewhat successful. You know, they'll live up to expectations. They're not gonna. You know, they're they're probably not gonna steal you any games, but they're going to have a, a respectable season for what you expect from them. And you've got, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation, which is just a giant dumpster fire at this point that nobody knows, you know, what exactly that's going to look like in six months or, you know, a year or whatever. I mean, it's safe to say that regardless of how any issues, you know, come out in the courtroom, that there's going to be a suspension. There has to be. That's just the way the league has maintained itself. You know, the accusation alone is a suspension in the NFL, whether or not that's the right decision or not, you know, that's an entirely different discussion, but, you know, that's the way it's been, you know, they run a kangaroo court and that's really all the NFL needs to to do is continue running its kangaroo court, and, and they've been, you know, pretty uniform as far as that kangaroo court goes, but still Does that make Goodell court. Captain Kangaroo? He's definitely Captain Kangaroo. Um... But uh, you know, it just—it's weird situation. And now you got Taylor goes down. You got Davis Mills stepping up, who nobody expected to need to step up this year. Like, let's be real, nobody expected him to start Week One. You know, nobody expected him to start at all this season, really. And now Taylor's down, and who's their backup at this point? You know, Jeff Driscoll. I think they they put on the roster this week. You know, they—they got to put somebody. They got to put somebody there. <laughs> it just—it's just. It's oh, it is bad. That team is. They are making the mid two thousands Browns look like a well run organization at this point, and that is something I never thought I'd say. Like the Owen, the Owen sixteen Lions from about ten years ago, something like that. Like that, yeah. When they did it the first time, then the Browns did it a few years later. You know, just this is ridiculously bad. I mean, yes, they got a win in week one, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the only win they get all season. It's not a quality win. I mean, you don't hang your hat on that win. No, you don't. I mean, Jacksonville is a team that's in its own, you know, uh, bad situation that's looking like it could be another Chip Kelly uh, conundrum based on things that have come out of that, you know, franchise and locker room and stuff in the last few weeks. But that's another discussion for another day that is not on today's schedule. But it... You know, some teams are better off with their quarterback getting hurt. And the one example of that is the Chicago Bears. Because Andy Dalton wasn't going to cut them up. Like, I like Andy. I think he's a good quarterback who got a bad shaft playing in Cincinnati as long as he did. You know, he was he was since, he was was the Cincinnati offense for a long time. You know, once, once they got past Palmer and, you know, moved into him still had some success in a very tough, you know, division playing against the Steelers twice a year and all those other teams they had to play. The Ravens and the Browns? Yeah. I mean, he gets a bad rap because he played for the Bengals for so long. But, you know, obviously... That was just organizational mismanagement. Yeah, it really was. They did no favors for him the entire time he was there. I mean, maybe A.J. Green, but... Beyond that, no. I mean, it's just he gets a bad rap. But now they move to Justin Fields, and that actually looks good. 
You know, like, Justin has looked good in the limited stuff we've seen of him. You know, he was deployed in week one in a few situations. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he got the first touchdown of the season? Or the, yeah, fir- the first the first Sunday in. touchdown of the season. Brought so. him in for that one, uh, that one series there, and uh, he found the end zone, and then they just took him out immediately. It was like one for one with a touchdown, but it was the first. It was the first Sunday touchdown of the season. So I mean, I, I don't know. It kind of have to wait and see. I mean, he didn't look good the rest of the game after Dalton went down, though. Like that's the problem. I mean, six for thirteen, sixty yards, and a pick. I mean, I think he's going to be a victim of his hype. Uh, is he an improvement over Dalton? In some sense, yes. But in others, he's, I mean, Dalton's a veteran. He's been around for 10, 12 years. So there's things that he's not going to catch that Dalton, you know, has forgotten. Um. So Fields is this enigma where, yes, you want to start the the rookie who has all this promise, and he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be this, this one-year wonder where he's going to lead the team to this promised land that they think is suddenly attainable because they have this top quarterback pick, and I don't think he's the guy yet. That, you know, their hands might be tied for the next couple of weeks. And even Matt Nagy was like, no, uh, Fields is only our starter until uh, adults. Yeah, I was actually going to pull that up here. It was the conversation that Nagy had with a reporter on Monday. The reporter asked, is Andy still your starter if healthy? Nagy responds, that's something that I'm not going to get into with scheme. The reporter responds, that's not scheme. And Nagy responds, "Yes, it is." What? I mean, I'm I'm not an NFL coach. I don't pretend to be. Well, I mean, I guess I should say I do pretend to be on Monday morning when everybody else does when they're a Monday morning coach and a Monday morning quarterback. But I don't think that the starting quarterback has anything to do with your coaching scheme at all. Really? I mean, it gets, it gets even a, better, Johnny. That's a playbook <laughs> issue. Like what? <laughs> So he denies that anything is really happening. And then, so he leaves the press conference. And then he sends the PR guy back into the media room to say, Andy Dalton's still our starter. And then leaves. <laughs> like, are you that dead set against admitting that, okay, you know what? At least Fields is an option. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, they don't have a choice right now. No. Oh, it's not like they're flat out picking, okay, Fields over Dalton. This is the future where we're going in this direction right now. It's the fact that, okay, their quarterback is hurt. So Fields has to be the guy. And I don't know if that's a benefit for him right now this early. They don't have a bad offense. They've got a good run game. They've got some guys who can catch the ball. And the defense is good enough to keep them in games. 
Mm-hmm. Got a good line, but I mean that secondary isn't exactly uh, gangbusters. Let's say. I mean, uh, in this situation, like the the one person who's probably most being affected by this right now is Justin Fields, who's getting no love from his coach. You know, like that that can't be helping pump up. You know, a, a high hype rookie who's you know. Coach is not excited at the prospect of him starting. Like it's not, it's not difficult to be a coach and walk out there. No, and the question is: Andy Dalton still your starter if healthy? I don't know. We'll discuss that when he is healthy. Okay, you know that that gives Justin the you know the the sense that if he plays well enough, he can take the job. You know, and that's what you want. You don't want a quarterback going out there just trying to carry over to the next. You know, to Andy coming back. You want Justin Fields to go out there and win the job. That's what you want. I mean, you you want him to go out there and have a performance that says, I am this team, I am this franchise, I am the future. That's what you want when you take a quarterback that high in the draft. And this is just a complete lack of anything. Like, there's no no backup from Nagy, you know? Like, it's just, it's just, it's a weird situation to find yourself in to not feel like the team is actually behind you. Like, I mean, we've all seen teams and franchises that fall apart when the GM and ownership and management decide on their guy that the coach doesn't want. You know, we've all seen that happen before, and I I don't know if that's the situation here. No, because obviously Matt Nagy is sitting on one of the hottest seats in the NFL right now. You know, his success or failure this season will determine whether or not he has a job next year. It's it's a tough situation too because usually you think drafting a quarterback gives you a two to three year window because that's around if you sit the guy a year and then he takes over the starting job and, and that's kind of the pattern you would hope to follow for a quarterback who isn't your immediate starter week one and I think it could be beneficial for Nagy who is absolutely on the hot seat it might be the hottest seat in the league to almost luck his way into this if Fields turns out to be good enough to be the starter this year, which the jury's still out on that. And, you know, diminishing returns so far. Um, I think drafting Fields was a desperation move by this administration because like, like you said, they're fighting for their jobs right now. And they've been given enough rope and I think they're at the end of the rope this year. So, and I mean, that comes back to the point of, of uh, fields who could have a new coordinator, new head coach next year, new everything. So everything he's working on learning this year could be irrelevant come next season when he is the starter. Uh, so it's just a mess in Chicago and want fields to do well i think he's a good quarterback and i think he's good enough to be the franchise quarterback for a team i don't know if he's exactly your day one starter see how it goes yeah i it's a tough pickle zach you've been pretty quiet on all of this is there anything i was just listening uh yeah i got thoughts um there's not really any quarterbacks who like. There's been successful quarterbacks that have been year one guys, but normally when they're older and like, I bet I, the most I can think of the most recent guy is Deshaun Watson, 
and he was kind of in a similar situation. Solid defense with some a little bit of holes still. Had a couple weapons on offense. And the O-line was really bad. And Sean Watson showed his skills. He was very, very talented. But we also saw that dude get beat up a lot. And then another guy recently that we saw have some success was Joe Burrow. And we saw him having some talent. And we saw him doing some things. And we also saw him get beat up a lot. I don't think it's ever, ever a good thing to just throw your quarterback in there just because he's the more talented guy and you were supposed to always put the best player on the field and yada. Even if he is more talented, is it better for him to get beat up? Is it really better? Or is Chicago winning a Super Bowl this year? Is he not? He's getting better at football regardless. Anyone who thinks that every week that goes by when he learns the playbook more, that it's just not him getting better is crazy. Could he get better on the field more? Sure, in a great situation where he's got an O-line that's protecting him. Yeah. In this situation where his O-line isn't going to do anything for him and he's going to be – he's already a young quarterback who has the instinct to run. It's just going to be pushed more, and he's likely going to get beat up. And I just – even if he doesn't get hurt, I just don't think it's ever positive for the guy to get beat up. And people can say, well, I used Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson's career before like, outside stuff, external stuff happened. Has been great. Sure, but they never fixed that O-line either because they had better success than they should and yada, yada, yada. Like, this. I don't think it's a good thing. Like, if he clearly shows he's the best guy, this guy comes out this week, throws 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 70% completion, and then follows it up with something similar, you give him the job. You let, let him keep running that success. But that's very unlikely, and I don't think any quarterback is ever – like, young quarterbacks in week three, they're just not ready, and – the, Justin Herbert had success, but he was in a very, very great situation, and still they didn't win many football games. It, it's a pickle to find yourself in as a young quarterback. I mean, a lot of what you said was stuff we kind of talked about on an earlier episode. You know, which do you want to do first? Get the quarterback or get the, you know, the supporting cast? Um, I'll say that was back in episode two, maybe. If you want to go back in the archives and dig that one up. Um, it is what it is. You know, young quarterbacks are risky and not risky at the same time. You, know, you want the immediate success, but sometimes you sacrifice some of the quarterbacks, you know, I don't want to say career, but you're sacrificing the health of the arm and the health of the quarterback himself by letting him take a lot of hits early and often, and it's detrimental to the long-term viability of yeah. the quarterback. I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow, again, is a prime example of that. You know, if he has a good O-line in front of him, does he get hurt last season? You know, who knows? You know, because it wasn't. Oh, you said we Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, it it wasn't. You know, if it's an, a non-contact injury, then it's just happenstance. You know, it happens. You know, it's it's a crazy fluke of football. But you know, when you get hurt in the course of a hit because you know you get twisted around or whatever, like the case was with Burrow, then you have to wonder if we protected him better. Does that injury happen? Do we have a better season? Does he have a better season? And how does that help the outlook? You know, just getting those reps in makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, so I, I just don't want to beat a dead horse. I think we've covered that now, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think you know, if you want to hear more about it, go back and listen to the archives. But you should be listening every week anyway. And if you haven't, go back and listen to them. Um, let's move on to what is, of course, a pressing issue. Uh, being as how it is relevant, and that it only happened about four hours ago, and that is that uh, Christian McCaffrey went down again this year, and it took him out of the game. And now we are waiting on. Uh, 
Now, we know it's a leg injury. We don't know specifically what kind. All we know is that the team is waiting on MRI results to say anything more as of yet. I, I like to go first. Okay. I hope he is not seriously injured. I love that player. He's one of the most talented players I've ever watched. And Chan, it's not my fault. I didn't do this. It was not me. I don't have towers. <laughs> it was not me. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm going to say on the subject because I don't even want to go into it more because it's a touchy place right now. There's, there's three things you can guarantee in life. Death, taxes, and Christian McCaffrey getting hurt. I don't know. I think Brandon Cook's getting hurt is more inevitable than that, but... And and not only that, I mean DJ Moore and JC Horn, you know, didn't survive the Ooh. game either. That that I'm gonna the, kindly the request you not mention DJ Moore. Mess of their own too. Do you have DJ Moore in redraft, Johnny? I do. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Dang. I mean he had a good Dang. game before he got hurt. He still had ten plus points, I think. So I mean he was still there at the end, so that's okay ish. I mean he can get banged up a bit, that's fine. But you know, let's not. My team is not built to survive injury. I mean, thankfully he's a wide receiver, not a running back. And if you saw my redraft draft, you would know why that's an issue. Seeing as how I have to start James Conner every week as a running back. And there's another major injury that happened Sunday, right? I think it was. Oh yeah, we have that written Sunday. Down right now. No, 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 you have it written down. Never mind. Uh, yeah. I mean, I it just McCaffrey is huge for that team. I mean, he was kind of holding that team together to a certain degree um, as their offense. Like, he is their, he is the threat. He is the all-purpose threat. You give him the ball, he's going to run you over. Throw him the ball, he's going to run you over or run around you. You know, he's he's the do-all. He is the wizard of that offense. And it allows people like DJ Moore to get open downfield because you still have to worry about McCaffrey close to the line of scrimmage. You eliminate that worry, though, and suddenly that team that is right now 3-0 and does not look good. I agree. He's their slot receiver, and he's their best running back, who's also just one of the best running backs. He's their point. everything. I mean, he is he is their offensive wizard. You know, he's their offensive catch-all. You know, he's kind of like a he's kind of like a Travis Kelsey, only instead of being big, bulky, uh, and everything you want in that, he's you know fast and hard to get a hold of, and you know everything you want in that regard. It's, it's yeah. It's a bad place to be in. I mean, you know, I, I sit here and, you know, we're not redraft, but in Dynasty, I'm sitting here as a guy and, you know, my eyes kind of light up just a little bit because, you know, I took a flyer on a running back out of a, was it Oklahoma State. Yeah, you better get it right if you're going to talk all like that. It was, it was Oklahoma State he played at. That's good Canadian Yeah, I know, boy. I know, I know. But right. you're like, you know, being all like smooth. Like if he messes up the school... Took took a nice <laughs> took a nice flyer on the running back out of Oklahoma State in a later round. You might have heard of him. He's a good Canadian kid. His name's his name's Chuba or Chuba, depending on which reporter you are. You know, yeah. He, uh, he's backing up McCaffrey, and suddenly need somebody to back so, him up. Suddenly that value just sort of shot through the roof a little bit. If that's uh, yeah, I don't of wanna, course, of I course, don't I don't. Beat up this too much, or I might get killed. <laughs> your your life is definitely in danger because you put the, you put the, uh, you put the eye on him, you, know, you put the curse out there, 
Now, granted, you weren't the one tempting the football gods from high atop, though, whatever, and neither am I. You know, I don't want McCaffrey here, because I love watching the guy play. You know, just because he's so ridiculous. I mean, he has a highlight reel every time he touches the ball. There's there's a, a highlight reel possibility, but, you know, I own Tuba in Dynasty, so I'm kind of... I could use the bailout, <laughs> as it were. Like I was saying to Jer earlier, my team is too good to be 0-2, and, and that's exactly where I am right now. You know, my top half, my top half could you know work with my bottom half. I'd be just peachy, but no, I can't get both to work in concert. And either my top half works or my bottom half works, but not both together. I need them both to work together. Seems too All good right. to be zero and two. But enough I tooting my own horn. Take, the best takes on this entire injury was from uh, James Holtower from. Uh, Jeopardy fame, and he pointed out that uh, this Christian McCaffrey injury is exactly why you should never hold your fantasy draft before week four. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that'd be ridiculous. He's not wrong, because <laughs> I mean, everybody goes down before week four, it seems like. I mean, he's not wrong, but at the same time, he's not right. You know, I guess... <laughs> It's one of those. It, it brings up like some of those crazy ideas of like a week five redraft or something, you know. Like oh. th- there's some crazy league plays out there that have rules like that, and you know, and then things like that. But you know, to each their own, I guess. I mean, I like the chaos. On to the next. I like the chaos. I think it's fun. Uh, let's move on to <laughs> our next uh, injury, and that is Brandon Graham went down. You know, one of the anchors of that Eagles defense. Yeah, he's a really good. Uh, uh, he's a really good end. Uh, I hate seeing anyone. See, I'm not gonna pretend like I watch a lot of Philly, especially not their defense. So, but uh, it it does suck to see any talented player or any player at all to go down. But yeah, that's a loss for sure. Especially to a ruptured Achilles. I mean, he was their best defensive player in 2020. Though, to be fair to the rest of the league, by comparison, he was middle of the pack. And last year, he had eight sacks and two forced fumbles. And his overall PFF grade was 81.5, which was pretty good overall. And he was fantastic in the context of being on the Eagles. I mean, he was their best player on defense. But I think that's overstating his skills a little bit in comparison to the rest of the league because the Eagles' defense really wasn't that great last year. So he was... You know, he he was the shiniest turd of the bunch. <laughs> Ooh, that's me. I wouldn't. Go, that's <laughs> okay. That okay. Not that far, but uh, yeah. He was the <laughs> he was the shiniest penny in the pile of pennies. Is that better? There you go. That's definitely better. <laughs> I mean, I certainly <laughs> understand. <laughs> I certainly understand the analogy, and it's not an incorrect one. It's just one of those ones that you say, and it's like, oh, that sounds so much worse than it really is, but. You know, I think we all understand what you're saying, that he is the he's the highlight of, you know, the worst. Yeah, I don't even want to yeah. say worst, because let's be real, there were worse teams in the division last year than that. You know, obviously you had the Giants, yeah. and they were, once Saquon got hurt, they were just barely a football team at that point. So, you know, it definitely... The football team was good. The football team was, was actually... Yeah, they were halfway decent. Um, but let's talk about the big picture. The NL East is already a... Uh, I don't want to say dumpster fire, because it's actually not. You know, like, we, we, we harp on it. The White Sox aren't that bad. That's 
an American League team? An American League Central team? Don't make baseball jokes, Jerry. I don't know. Let's not do baseball. I don't do baseball. Get away from baseball. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm we're out. talking about the NL East. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Um... I noticed that in the notes yesterday and waited 24 <laughs> hours to make a joke about yeah. it. I hope you all appreciate me. I said it too, like here just now. I said the NL East because that's what was in the notes. And... You know, I, I it don't. It didn't click. It yeah. didn't. It did, like, I, I don't know if I was trying to, you know, NFL East, if that's what I was going for. Well, that doesn't make sense <laughs> either. Or I'm thinking maybe I was watching baseball when I typed the notes up or something, and and that's just what happened. But what uh, division are we talking about? Here? We are talking about the NFC East. The NFC <laughs> East. Yes. Okay. The, <laughs> the Cowboys, I think, are still the best team. I, ironically, Philadelphia is a member team of both the NFC East and the NL East, so it actually is kind of funny. There you go. I think I think the Cowboys are still the best team, and Micah Parsons is a freaking talented player. We'll There's get to him in a second. We'll get to him in a second. Okay, I'm sorry, but like you, I, I'm not talking about what we have in the notes. I'm just no, no. I understand. Because... I understand that, but you know, you're literally picking up the next topic already, and we're not quite finished with sorry, this one yet. Like... So, well. He's... He's part of the reason I think they're the best team, though. No, no, I understand. I understand that, Zach, and I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm saying. I'm saying we'll talk about him in a minute. Okay, <laughs> okay I'll stop. I'll stop. But I mean, does that change the picture? I mean, the the Eagles' offense has actually looked good this year. You know, nobody was quite expecting them to come out and look as good as they've looked on every play, except when they tried the Philly Philly again. The Philly special did not look good this time around. Oh, that was. A- Dumpster fire and a half. <laughs> Yikes. I never thought the Eagles were the best anyways. I always thought it was the Cowboys, and I still do. It's hard not to say... Because that... of Micah Parsons, right? I'm not allowed to talk about him. <laughs> I'm currently restricted. So let, uh, let's, uh, let's, just, let's just say that it doesn't affect the outlook of the NFC East as much as it has the potential to. If the Cowboys can stay at the level that they're at so far then it's probably their division to lose. I mean, especially with Washington going through the issues at quarterback that they have gone through. You know, losing losing their starting quarterback definitely hurts them when they have to move on to Taylor Heineke. And Heineke's not... To be fair, that's, that's more of a lateral than a lot of teams have. Heineke is probably the closest backup that you have to put in that's a quality starting NFL quarterback right now. It's definitely not. Like it, 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 it's definitely a backwards lateral. So if they drop the ball, it's a fumble and not an interception. So it's you know, there's there's no there's not going to be any discussions like we had in the uh, in the uh, uh, what was it the uh, the Tennessee miracle? Uh, I can't remember the actual name of the play. Oh, the Tennessee two step, yeah. I know right, that's not what it's called. <laughs> but uh, I, either way, I the, the Music City game, Miracle. Right? It was the Music City oh, there Miracle. We go. There it was. Us. You know, it, it it's not as debatable. We're not going to be up in the booth discussing, is this the Music City Miracle? No, this is like a five-yard backwards pass. We know that. But it's still close enough. But it definitely affects them. It hurts them. But that defense is still good. I mean, you know, you've got some, you've got some beasts on that defense that will eat if some of these other O-lines give them a chance, and that's where other teams are hurting in that division. But 
let's let's move on to our next guy. You know, Zach brought you brought him up. Micah. And that's Micah. You know, traditionally he is. Uh, I believe he was drafted as a linebacker, right? Yeah, but he he just yeah. does. Stuff. He and, plays football. <laughs> and obviously, <laughs> obviously, with the injury to Demarcus Lawrence, that has left a big hole on you know the ground on the front line. And Micah Parsons has been slotted in as a defensive end to fill that hole. Now, obviously, you know, we talk about Micah. He is a he's an extremely talented guy. Is that a long-term solution for him? Or does moving him into the dirt like that uh, have a negative effect on, you know, his type of play? Like, when I think of him, I think is that, that outside linebacker, that Khalil Mack type guy who's going to get, you know, a Vaughn Miller who, you know, you can put him in the dirt when you need him down there, but otherwise, you know, give him that running start and he's going to just eat. And if you have to drop him back into coverage, he's going to do great there too. Does this hurt his long-term value or is it, I don't, I don't want to say a lateral move. Does this improve or hurt his long-term value? I don't think he's a permanent end. I think he's, I think he's just showing you guys what he is. If you watched him at Penn State, this is what he does. It's Penn State, right before I keep going. That's what it was, right, Jer? Wow, for coming after me yeah. for bringing up colleges and maybe being unsure. I got it right. I just wanted to be sure because Jer's face froze in the thing, so I didn't know if it was him freezing or if I could, like, like. That all right, I'll, gi- I'll give you that. Stuff. I'll give you that. They line up. They line them up all over the edge. They line. They put them in. He has. Okay, the thing is, I, I the Von Miller. He's very similar physically to Von Miller. And I'm not even going to say his talents aren't similar, but I wouldn't really necessarily use him in the fall. He's more of a hybrid, modern-day kind of dude. Because he, you want that dude to cover middle linebackers. And, I mean, I mean, sorry, in tight ends in the future. Like, you want him to do that. So you don't want him just sitting on the end where he can't do that. And uh, now, now if uh, the thing is, the Cowboys aren't a 3-4. They're a 4-3. So if you put him on the end, he's going to have to play end, which means he, there's no way he's coming out in the linebacker to cover. And that's just taking away his abilities. There's just no point. Like we're like you brought up Von Miller. We're in a 3-4, though. So Von Miller, we can pop him out in coverage when we want to. We can just swap that out because we still have four linemen in. They can't do that unless they're only going to rush three, and that's going to put them in a de- – and he's just really not a big – like he's not that big, you know what I mean? Like he's not a small guy, but – when you think of ends in a 4-3, you think of Demarcus Lawrence. You think of Miles Garrett. You think of, you know, guys like that. You don't really think of what he is, Micah. Is Micah's, Micah's a very – I love that dude as a prospect. I love him as a player. I think he's going to kill it. But I think it would be a detriment to leave him on the end, and I don't think they will do it. I think they're just – Dallas has nothing as the pass rush if they don't put him on the end right now with Demarcus out, and they can't risk – they don't want – like. Even though they could technically win a shootout, they don't want to get into shootouts. Look what happened last year. Like, you really don't want to be that. You still want to have some pressure. But in the end, I think it, all it means is that when they're looking – when a team's looking at third and eight and stuff, they're in trouble when they see Micah and DeMarcus coming at them come, say, week 10. And, I mean, it's also a negative for the linebackers because who do you slot in in his place? It's just it's like next guy up, but it's going to be an automatic downgrade no matter who you have to replace Parsons in his original slot. So, but I mean, with Lawrence out, you got to do what you got to do, and 
the defense is not Dallas's strong point right now anyways. Um, I think the offense is significantly better than even last year's offense. Even with Dak in there, I think everybody on that offense is hitting just perfectly right now. And Cooper can he, he needs to heal up a bit. Took a nasty hit last week. Um, the defense is just not staying healthy, and that was the problem last year too. The guys were getting hurt in training camp and didn't even start. So it's tough being a uh, a Dallas Cowboys fan because in let's look at the numbers here. He looked good in the position on Sunday. He had two tackles and a sack against the Chargers. So it's a plus putting him in that slot. Uh, defensive coordinator Dan Quinn loves the guy, but he's going to carry the bulk of that line that's already been decimated by the injuries. And, I mean, with them playing the Eagles this Sunday, he's going to hopefully put the hurt on Jalen, and maybe they'll come away with the win. You've been waiting for an opportunity to make that pun ever since he got drafted, haven't you? No, no, no. I just, I just added it to uh, my notes here last night, so I've been waiting about twenty-four hours. But... <laughs> doesn't this subject doesn't deserve any more time because of Jer? Um... <laughs> maybe not like him anymore. I mean, I think you both answered the the I guess sort of next question of that was: Is him being a defensive end a long-term thing, or is it just to fill the hole left by you know tank? And obviously, I think you both kind of in in your the course of your discourse have said that long term no he's not an end he is going back to his more traditional position where he can rush the quarterback or drop back into coverage on a more uh traditional thing so he could be catching balls soon so <laughs> well it's a different issue altogether um we got one more before we get to them and that is you know, we're not typically going to cover college a lot on this show, and we're not going to discuss it very often. I mean, obviously, Jerry's very knowledgeable of the college game, and, you know, over the course of the off season, you know, once we get to, like, spring ball and stuff like that, we'll probably talk about it a bit more because it is relevant, and obviously there's a lot of this NFL stuff to talk about. But, you know, right now it's relevant, and that is that a head coaching opportunity has opened up in season, early in season, at a high-tier school, which typically doesn't happen very often. And all of a sudden, there is uh, a notable name of an NFL coach, a member of an NFL coaching staff, who is being linked both to the job and saying vocally has interest in the job. I'm, of course, talking about Eric Bayemi and the USC Trojans. Um, you guys, You guys are far more knowledgeable of the college game than I am. You know, I watch it just to get an eye on some of the young guys coming into the draft and, you know, I'll watch the bowl games and stuff like that. But I don't watch it every Saturday. I know you guys religiously watch every Saturday. So um, I guess the first one, is there fire here or just smoke? I think there's some fire. I think so the USC job, though, it's a nice job. It's not the best job, obviously. Like there's a lot of other uh, pro programs if they open, we'll say Oregon, LSU, Alabama, Clemson, Auburn, Georgia. You know, <clears throat> those ones are better ones to take. But USC is still a nice job. 
I obviously the enemy would rather take a job in the NFL as a head coach. That's clear. But he's also seems to keep getting passed over for some reason. I'm not really sure what it is. I'm not going to pretend like I have inside information, but it's occurring. So if he was to go to USC and do perform very well, I think at this point, NFL GMs, owners, whoever would be almost forced to hire him because with his history on with KC and then him actually head coaching a successful program, you would really have no reason not to hire him. But there's also the other side of it. If he stays in KC, he's likely to still get interviews year in and year out because clearly that's a successful franchise and they're doing well. And if he goes to USC and he doesn't perform well, or his team, I should say, doesn't perform well, then he has to restart something he started a decade ago and start getting into assistant coaching again. And he may not be an NFL head coach for a decade. So, like... Yes, it's nice. It might give you a little more flash, but if I was him, I would stay in KC and just trust the process that at some point I'm going to get my head coaching job because they just can't they can't deny my knowledge and ability for that long. It's going to occur. But I think there's genuine fire, and I think he when he says he's considering it, he genuinely is considering it. That doesn't that doesn't mean he's taking it. But I think there's going to be real consideration, and who knows what happens. USC is a dumpster fire. Um, they've been a dumpster fire for the better part of this past decade. You're meaner um, than I am. I was trying to be nice. Sorry. So, oh, here's the thing. I think the enemy is possible to take the job. Um, I'm sure he's sick of... Has he interviewed for NFL jobs yet? Yeah, like in the past. Okay. Okay, so here's the thing. I think he is a victim of the Rooney rule in which NFL teams are obligated to interview one uh, minority, at least one minority candidate for the job. They don't have to hire them, but it's the rule to interview them. And I think, unfortunately, he's one of the coaches who has been pegged at that. He hasn't, you know broken through the glass ceiling proverbially um i think usc is a good destination job for up and coming coaches in college um for example like luke fickle in cincinnati is a name being thrown around as possibly taking the job because he's he's brought cincinnati uh, to be a top 10 team the past two years so far um, but Johnny was right. Bianami has been quoted as saying USC would be one of the few college jobs that would pique his interest. So there's definitely mutual interest there. Um, they fixed the recruiting after they left Lane Kiffin on the tarmac back in 2013. They fired him when he got off the plane after a loss in like week four. It was tremendous. Um, but I mean, their former head coach Clay Helton didn't bring enough success on the field where people wanted heads to roll almost immediately. Um, when USC started this year, there was a checklist at the start of the season that was going to determine whether Helton was going to keep his job. And getting blown out by Stanford in two weeks or two weeks ago was the final straw, and that was the first thing on the checklist. And he couldn't even pass that, and they shipped him the hell out of there. And an interesting note, though, uh, I don't know his name, but 
the interim head coach right now is not the longest tenured assistant on that team right now. Usually, you would give that job to the guy who's been around the longest. Nope. They're giving it to a guy who fixed the recruiting, I want to say, five or six years ago. And um, it's, it's it's an interesting situation for USC. And I think enemy would be an upgrade to whatever they've had going on there. I mean, they're not a top 10 team in the way that Texas is not a top 10 team. And I think there's enough of a story there where Biennemi goes there and it's his first head coaching job. It's going to get eyes on that team. And Biennemi is a former Super Bowl winning assistant. So he's got enough um, credentials there. People are going to want to come play for him. So I think it's a win-win for both, but I don't know if the timing is right for him. I think there's a benefit of him staying for Kansas City and just biding his time a little longer. The job's going to come along. There's no way he stays a coordinator five years from now. It's too much turnover in the NFL for that to happen. He's too good to not be given a shot. I'm amazed he hasn't been given a shot in the last three years. I agree. That's so, why I, was, okay. uh, I, I think there's enough there to where he's not going to be with Kansas City years from now, whether that's USC, whether that's, you know, he's the head coach of the Detroit Lions. I, I don't know. But I think there's something there, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe a Bronco, man. If Vic might suck, the like Broncos could suck the rest of this year, and he might, we might hire Eric next year. I, I think – you know, just to top off what you said here, the current interim head coach at USC is Dante Williams. He has been part of the program since the start of 2020. So this is his second year in the program. And already yep. he has been, you know, uh, elevated to the position of head coach, although he is considered one of the best uh, college football recruiters in the country. So he, he does have he that. USC. He, he does have that on his resume. But I think, and again, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not, too huge on the college football game, but you know the coaching roulette in the NFL is obviously something that you see every year. And I think that I, I think that Miami is going to take one more trip around the roulette, you know, one more trip around the carousel. And I think there's a chance that USC might keep the job open until February. You know, run out the season with Dante as the head coach because obviously he has the respect of the locker room through the recruiting efforts, and, and the team is 1-0 under him so far. Obviously, it's only one game. doesn't really mean squat, but, you know, still, I think they'll run they'll run the year with him as the guy and, and fill the hole. Now, if somebody else falls into their lap that just checks all their boxes, then they're probably not going to wait. But if, mm-hmm. if, they, if you know, if Bidiami goes through this season and Kansas City continues to be Kansas City. And let's be real, there's no reason that's not going to be the case unless, you know, heaven forbid, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. Then suddenly things, you start asking some questions. If next man up doesn't have success, then you can start asking those questions of whose fault is it. But assuming Kansas City continues to be Kansas City, and there's no indication that they won't be, if Miami does not land in an NFL head coaching gig at the end of this season... I think he's just going to walk away. What did you just do, Zach? Oh, man. God 
it, it done. Sorry. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I was trying to just look at the notes real quick. I didn't know I was going to do this. But I, I think... those listening, Zach's video went sideways. Yeah, if, if he, you're... Uh, probably minimized our uh, Yeah, if, if you're not watching program. the video, then you missed <laughs> it. Zach just went... Uh, he went from... Uh, you know, horizontal like a normal person to vertical like a crazy person. And it Am just... I back? Am I good you're good, now? you're good, you're good. Yes, you're good. But I think if Miami doesn't land a head coaching job in the NFL to start the 2022 season, that that's it. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to walk away from the game because obviously that'd be ridiculous. He's too, he's too hot a candidate to get a job somewhere else. Whether that is USC or some other... You know, stud program opens up in the off season. You know, I don't know the coach. I mean, I'm sure there's some coaches in some of these those high tier programs that are probably looking towards retirement in the next little while. Or, you know, obviously the roulette sometimes gets a little weird. But if he does not land an NFL head coaching gig ahead of the Super Bowl this year, which you know presumptively Kansas City will be a part of, presumptively they are the favorite, and if he does not land an NFL head coaching gig by the Super Bowl, or you know, have plans to become one post Super Bowl, everybody knows what I mean by that. Is in he pretty much signs a he pretty much shakes the hand of an ownership during the bye week, and is the new head coach in whatever franchise. If he doesn't have a job lined up in the NFL as a head coach by the Super Bowl, then I think he's done. Because he's too. I mean, Jer's right when he says the Rooney Rule screws him. And it really does, and it also screws Kansas City to a certain. What well, doesn't Kansas City is like? Yeah, go ahead, get a job, especially now with the changes to, you know, the minority coaching rule that now awards teams with developing minority coaching candidates. You know, if you if you lose a minority, a coaching minority to another team, you get a third round draft pick. I mean, that's a. Like that, yeah. <laughs> That's a high tier pick, you know. That's a guy who could potentially start on your franchise next year, you know. So I mean, I think it helps them develop those candidates. It gives them—I don't want to say a reason to, because that's silly, but you know, it gives them a reason to develop them a little more and you know, kind of push them a little harder to move up the game and move around the game and stuff like that. But if he doesn't land a gig this time around, he's too—he's too qualified to not have a job, really. Like I, I think he's—I think he's more qualified than pretty much any coach that got a head coaching gig in the last roulette, you know, in the last carousel ride. I mean, I think he's more qualified to be an NFL head coach than Urban Meyer was, that's for sure. You know, so it is what it is. We'll see how things go. You know, we got a few months now to work it out. Obviously, you know, he he's saying all the right things that all he's focused on right now is Kansas City's next opponent, and obviously that's what he's going to say, but We'll see. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's so much smoke here that there's got to be some degree of fire. Uh, let's move on. I think we've already on. been for like an hour. The what? I think we've already been recording for an hour. Holy shit. Just, just shy of it. Just shy of it. We're 55 minutes. Um, so let's, let's move on to our last topic before we break the huddle for good, and that is obviously there's been a lot of, uh, I don't want to say calamity, but there's been a lot of confusion in regards to the ownership of the Denver Broncos since Pat Bolin passed away. It seems like that is finally coming to a head, and we are going to get a permanent decision 
on Bronco's ownership, whether it is one of the other members of the family stepping up to, you know, control principal interest or a new ownership group coming in. And there's some big names apparently sniffing around this franchise, and we'll touch on some of those in a second. But apparently we have a an ownership decision looming in Denver. Um, Zach, you're a fan of the Broncos, so obviously I'm sure you've been watching this with a much more keen eye than anyone else to a certain degree. What 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 do you think? What's your take on what's going on? I can't say anything because you just said we have some names, so I'm going to get yelled at again for saying a name. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want so and so to purchase the team. So you want you want the Bolin family to just sell the team and walk away. You don't want any more of this chaos and yeah, crap to continue. Oh, that's fair. You know, there's been I want a particular person. Obviously, I don't think it'll be just that particular, but he'll be the head of the group. I'm assuming. I don't know which group you're referring to. There's definitely a few names out there that I wouldn't be mad purchasing my team, but uh, let's let's run down the list of some of these ownership. Names that are, and obviously, you know, we have the Bolin family who may just, you know, come to a semblance of agreement internally in the family to keep the team in the family or sell it off. Obviously, that's an option. Option number two, these are in no particular order other than they're the, just the way their names register in my head, and that is Jeff Bezos is looking at this franchise. Um, you're a fan of the team, Zach. Is, is Jeff your guy? Do you want him to buy this nope. team? No? No. Nope. Is, is there a reason why not, or just no, 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 no? Because I want someone who's focused on this team. So, like, Fair enough. treat it like it's a priority. Fair enough. It'll take two days to complete a pass. Oh, boy. That's a prime shipping joke, people. My I got it. I, I smiled. All right, all right. Hey, buddy, in this day and age, prime shipping, you could get it the same day. So, you it's know, true. It's true. Just saying, I ordered something one day at like two a.m. and it got here the next morning. So the name is okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the next guy. Obviously, you're you're no Bezos, and Jared doesn't think they could complete a pass within two days. Fair enough. Next man up, Steve Ballmer, nope. current owner of the Clippers, who has actually put some money into that franchise. Oh, he's an invested person, but that's not. A... I I I not that I would hate him, but I just want a different name. Okay, now is um, he like the really excited Microsoft guy? Yes, yeah. yes, he is the huggy Microsoft uh, guy. Okay, oh, it's the Clippers. Um, you know, but uh, let's move on to the next. Now I don't know. <laughs> are they together in a bid, or are they running independent bids? Because we have two two names of two very prominent former Denver Broncos quarterbacks who are both sniffing around ownership interest. One of them is a guy who I had no idea turned down a 20% stake in the team at one point. I'm talking yeah, about John Elway. Oh, silly of him. That's I, not the one I want either. It's the other one. I don't know what to say to that. Like, I, I read that, uh, I don't know if, I can't remember if it was this morning I read it or yesterday, that, you know, Pat in, in 98 offered him 20% of the team for thirty-six million dollars. Yeah, that was silly of him. No, I don't. I don't know franchise math or not or not back then. You know, I don't remember what teams were being sold for back in that time period. I mean, but still, did it seriously? You pass up twenty percent just... of the team 
and and now that 20% is worth 750 million dollars. <laughs> I want the other guy. Of course, the other guy we're talking about, the only man I know of with a forehead bigger than Jair's, Peyton Manning. <laughs> That's who I want. It's... I think he'll put his heart and soul into our franchise. Is interested in putting together a bidding group to purchase the Denver Broncos. So Peyton's your guy. You want him? You want him? He'd yes, have sir, to yes, give up sir. his uh, Monday Night Football gig first. That would be unfortunate because that's been the best part of Monday Night Football in the last couple of weeks. Let's be honest. Um, I don't even get to watch Monday Night Football. So well, I shouldn't say that. There, there was a banger week one, but week two not so much. Well, I mean, unless you're me, in which case it was a banger. One was but, fun, but it was a different kind the Raiders, of banger. The Ravens game. Yeah, that was a good game, but uh, definitely. So why why do you want why do you want uh, Peyton? I mean, I'm sure there's other reasons. I think he'll be fully invested into trying to make our franchise the best franchise he can be in. He's a very intelligent football player as well. Football mind, football, whatever you want to call him. And I I have full trust in Peyton and the path he would pave for our franchise. I like him because he has a big brain. Big brain. Big brain. In his case, that might be true. Big forehead, big brain. What's your excuse, dear? Uh huh. Um, if you're not watching us on video or have never watched us on video, you're losing the beauty of these jokes. Okay, because seriously, Jer's forehead is the size of a drive-in video screen. Hey, okay. Come <laughs> on. Well, we gotta pick on Jer for. Come on. All right. All right. What's next? You're mean. <laughs> Actually, a relationship story that I'm going to share right now. Oh, boy. Friend got caught cheating. Girl responded by logging into his fancy team and dropping Devontae Adams. <laughs> That's rough. Ouch. That's rough. Seriously, guys, yep. don't don't give girlfriends your fantasy passwords. What are you doing? All right. Like, good lord, man. Um, Give me your grinder password instead. <laughs> are we breaking the huddle? Uh, yes, we are going to break the huddle, and we are now going to drop some Dynasty Dimes. And we are going to start with, are you guys prepared for sleepers? Do you oh, have a guy? Oh, shoot. Ah, oh, I had my guy. Oh, God. Jared, do you have I a guy? I go look it up, because I'll make prepared myself for what? sideways. Uh, picking your sleeper. Yes. Sleeper. Oh my God. Really? Who have you got? Who's your guy? We're gonna start I with like, sleepers. I like Chuba Hubbard. It wasn't my guy. Because look at what Mike Davis did last year in that role. I can't. I mean, the Panthers are gonna run the ball. They're they're gonna use somebody to run the ball. I don't think. Uh, the entire offense is going to run through Darnold. So it's it's next man up, and I think Hubbard's good enough to be the guy until... And, and even, I mean, okay, he's not a Christian McCaffrey. He's more than talented enough for the team's run game to just go straight through him. He could be that bell cow that they need until... Uh, 
until McCaffrey decides, hey, I can walk again. I'll give you that guy, because if we were strictly dynasty sleepers, then you'd be crap out of luck, because that's a heck of a percentage difference. In in dynasty, Chuba is rostered in 90% of all leagues. Fair enough. In redraft, he is rostered in 39% of yeah, all leagues. 39%. So he definitely fits it if you're... Even if you're kind of averaging the two, I think he'd still fit. Um, Zach, have you figured out your guy? No, because I can't... Because I'll change my camera angle if I go look. I forgot his name. I'm so <laughs> if, mad. if you think you can pull it up quickly enough while I do mine, that's fine. Um, but, okay, well, you're, get ready for my camera to go all weird. Yeah, it's gonna go. It's gonna flip. That's fine. We'll tolerate that. Um, It'll take two seconds though. Actually, if it Where actually takes two seconds, then I don't have to well, do anything. Well, not quite. So, oh, what the heck? What? Does oh, I moved the backdrop. That's not what I was trying to do. Um, oh, oopsie. Um, oh, Barrios. Having... Braxton Barrios. Okay, guess what? We're in agreement then, because that's my guy. Braxton Barrios was also the guy that I picked as the sleeper of the yeah, week. Which, if why, you look, that's my uh, sleeper guy. If, Jam- if Jameson Crowder misses another week, I think he's going to put up a solid flex number for the week. I think he's already proved that he can put up flex numbers. I mean, yeah, in, in week yeah, one, in week. Now, obviously, these are our numbers, so you know scoring may vary based on your independent scoring settings per league. Some people run some really crazy numbers for scoring. Other people run some very tight numbers for scoring, but these are strictly for our numbers. In week one, he put up 8.2 points. In week two, 14.84. Now, this guy is already the number 40 wide receiver, number 99 overall in fantasy scoring through two weeks. I mean, it's. I think he's a great pickup. Uh, he is currently rostered in forty percent of dynasty leagues. Dynasty leagues. That's nutty. Uh, in redraft, I'm sure that number's even higher. Um. Let's see. Five percent of redraft leagues is the current wow. number for Braxton Berrios. So it, it's a safe bet that he's available in your league. Dynasty or Sleeper. Um, so, yeah, definitely he's a great choice. Obviously, you know, Zach and I are in agreement. Yeah, I don't got to add anymore. You covered it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just so happens you picked the guy I was going to pick. Um, so, here, here's the next question in, in Dynasty Jams. We're two weeks into the season. Now, you heard me talking earlier that, uh, you know, my team in Dynasty is on paper a very good team. A very, very good team on paper. In execution, however, we're off to an 0-2 start. And this led to a question of uh, a member of our league, I'm not going to name names, has already uh, reached out to inquire if I'm in sell mode. You know, put out the put the hand out and said, if you want to move either of two specific players on my lineup, that they were interested. Week two. Which I can guess the name, but I'm not going to do it. Of the player or of the person? The person. Okay, uh, well, we'll leave that to your imagination. If they want to out themselves when they listen to this, they can go right ahead. But I'm not going to name names. You can believe what you want to I'm not going to guess. I won't even guess. I just... No, no, I understand that. I mean... His name rhymes with Elbar. <laughs> Plus it Elbar. <laughs> uh, his name does not rhyme with Elbar. I don't think I've had a conversation with Elbar since the draft last year. Because he didn't oh, show up this hard. year, you know, 
Shout out to Elbar. Love you, buddy. Shout out to Elbar. So up in the draft, Elbar. I mean, your dad was there. Why weren't you? Um, that's a league joke. But uh, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> uh, so when do you hey. go? Uh, that that that's the question it brought onto the notes this week is when do you go into buyer and seller mode? When do you feel is the right time to throw? In, I don't want to say throw in the towel on your season, but throw your hands up and try and maximize the return for high-tier players. When do you go into buyer and when do you go into seller mode, if they're different? I think record obviously has something to do with it, but I would say around week six. If I was going to put a week on it, I'd say about week six is when you got to start strongly looking at your team and making a real decision on where you're going. I think mid-year probably makes sense. Um only because then you have a very good idea of what your team looks like. Um, the idea, okay, you know, I'm not going to make the playoffs. Um, I should probably sell high on something because there's, there's going to be buyers. Every team has a stud. Um, even the worst teams in the league have one to two players that hit every week. Unfortunately, one to two players isn't enough to win any matchup in your league. There's always those guys that have the value. So you need to figure out when your own mental deadline is. And I think, you know, mid-year, you have a good idea. If you you got, like, you know, two wins, you know you're not making the playoffs. Um, if you want to value some draft picks next year and kind of start building from scratch starting in the middle of the year, and say, okay, you know what, I'm throwing the towel in, I know I'm going to get some buyers, so I'm going to get some decent return on this, then make the decision, okay, these guys are on the trade block, I'm listening to offers, I'm not going to go all in this year, I can't, I've, you know, I tried from week one and it's just not working in my favor, I'm okay with it, I'm going to try again next year with some draft picks or if you have you know you want to give me two good starters for my stud okay you know work some ideas out but I think probably I guess week six to seven is probably a good dropping point of because then let's say a team making a playoff run is missing that one piece hey their flex slot kind of sucks and they need a guy who's reliable enough to get them into 15 points every week in that slot. Hey, this guy's starter is up for grabs. I'm going to go pick him up, and that's going to win me a championship. Well, there's your selling point right there. This guy needs this player. Give me his value so that I have a good starting point for next year. Now, I'm okay with losing, let's say, Derrick Henry. Because... You've given me enough capital for the draft next year where I can draft, um, you know, let's say uh, uh, Najee Harris. So I now have, I've kind of flipped, I've flipped the switch. I'm okay with not making the playoffs this year because I've got a stud automatically with that pick next year. I mean, I, I think for me, I, I think for me, going into buyer and seller mode is when specifically do you do it? 
everybody has a different point. You know, you may decide that you're going to be a seller before that point because your your team is just you're off to such a slow start that it's a hole that's insurmountable to climb out of. You know, presumably most leagues are somewhere between 10 to 12 people traditionally. You know, you're either a 10 team league or a 12 team league. You know, there's some that are higher and there's some that are lower, but traditionally it's a, you know, a 10 or a 12. Once your losses become insurmountable to making the playoffs, then that's the point where your team has been, you know, once you're, I don't want to say statistically eliminated, but once the mountain, once it becomes a mountain and no longer a molehill, you know, right now, like I said, I'm 0-2, but that's not insurmountable. You know, it's very easily to climb out of that hole at 0-2, and, you know, in two weeks could be 2-2, and and by the end of the season, heck, you could be, you know, 14-2 and or 13-2. and or 12 and 2 or whatever. However many games your regular season is, however many games your season is total, you know, those could be your only losses on the year. Who knows? You you just you don't. The f- the fantasy football gods are very fickle. And they can flip a switch on you at any point. And it's uh, outside of injuries. I think injuries change your strategy much sooner if one of your stars get hurt. If one of your stars gets hurt and you don't have a next man up to replace those points, then you kind of have to look at it and be like, well, I just don't get those points anymore. I can't get those points. What do I do here? That's when it becomes more important. I think somewhere between two to three weeks before your trade deadline is when you go really into buyer and seller mode. Now, for us, that's week 10. Our trade deadline is, is in week 10. So I think week six, week seven, that's when you put up the big red flashing button that says, all right, my season's done. Who wants to make an offer? Let the buyers come to you. You know, you can't be so, you know, you, you obviously you're not going to sell cheap because they're still stars. You know, no matter who they are, they're still stars. If you're selling them off, you need to get fair value and, you know, even make teams overpay a little bit because they're trying to buy a championship from you. So, yeah. You don't want to do it too early, but you don't want to do it too late because, like I said, the football gods are fickle. And if a guy you're holding on to as your big trade chip around midseason gets hurt between you know week five and week seven, suddenly your best asset is worth next to nothing because they're not going to play again. So it's it's tough. It's touchy. You know, you just you gotta you gotta feel your own your own league, your own team, you know, it, you've got to ride the, it also, it's about performance of the other teams in your divisions, your leagues, depending on how your playoffs are structured, you know, so right now, I mean, I win two games and I'm at 500 and I'm with everybody, you know, I'm right there in the thick of it, you know, it, just as easily as I went 0-2, somebody on top of the pile could go 0-2 for the next two weeks. I could go 2-0, and and suddenly we're tied at the top of the pole at 2-2, and along with everybody else in the division. You know, it, it's fickle, and it's way too early to throw in the towel on anybody. So, <laughs> it, it's, it's an awkward situation, you know. It's insulting to me as a fantasy owner to have someone reach out week two thinking I'm already in seller mode. It's it's, it's a little bit insulting. Hey, 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 hey. You had last week for all your complaints, bud. <laughs> you don't get to sit here week after week 
No, 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 Mister. Are man. you are you familiar? <laughs> are you familiar with the old saying? It's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. Well, yeah, we we need our own separate. Uh, once we break the huddle, it can be Johnny's party, and he can cry if he wants to for five minutes. <laughs> it's it's my soapbox, and I'll stand on it is. if I want to. But no, I mean, you know, yeah, you already have that segment I, lined I, up. I do, I do. But that's different because like, you don't get it. You just making the segment twice. I'll carry the soapbox out whenever I want to use it. Uh no, seriously. Um, that's it for that one. You know, everybody has their own choice. Somewhere between week six and week seven, it seems like is the general consensus for when you go into buyer and sell. Ready, sell your fantasy team. Chaos. <laughs> All right. What are we on to now? Pick, uh, pick the last, the it's the last one in the Dynasty Dimes segment. And this is about a specific player. Zach Wilson owners. Worry or he's going to work it out? No, I'll just wait. I Man, he's a kid who uh, – there's no worry. You didn't draft him that high anyways. Second round pick. You just hold on and see what happens. That's what happens with young quarterbacks. No stress. Well – I watched a 12-year-old kid completely roast the entire New York Jets offense. Oh, I think the problems are a lot bigger than him. Uh, he's just a product of a really bad offense right now. Uh, he injured his was it his groin or ribs, something, in week one. So it, it affected his week two performance anyways. Not that he had any protection going into week two. But I think... Don't... He's going to be fine. Um, and there's problems with the Jets that they need to address, obviously. And they're probably not going to be addressed this year. Um, he's going to be a reliable starting quarterback. Sometime he'll get there. Uh, he's, he's definitely one of the players who they just threw into the fire immediately the second they drafted him. Everybody knew, hey, this guy's our new starter. They traded Darnold away. Um, this year, it's going to bite them in the ass because I don't think he's got enough pieces around him to function fully as a quarterback. I think the offensive line isn't there to help him. They've got some guys catching the ball, but he can't. He's getting chased out of the pocket every, every second play. He's not going to be hitting any receivers, and the only people he's hitting with that ball are the guys wearing the other jerseys. So... I think it's way too early to pass judgment on him because there's so many things flying against him right now to where we can't really judge his performance based on strictly him. Um, that This is not on him yet. Uh, let's see what they can do with the entire offense. If they can fix the offense, if they can some guys around him to give him time to make reads and throw the ball and actually function as a normal quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think, and, and people are losing their mind already on him and it, it's just, just let it down. He's going to be fine. Give him time. You know, and, and, and don't have high expectations. Uh, he's the quarterback. He's a rookie quarterback for the New York Jets. Come on. How high are the expectations going to be realistically right now, heading into week three? They're not there. You know, hey, as long as he's upright at the end of the game, it's a win. Personally, you know, I think it's just it, it, it's people overreacting even worse to week two than they do to week one. You know, it's 
what were they going to do against Buffalo? Yeah, so. I mean, I think it just, you know, there's definitely a lot of people who are worried, you know, after two weeks because it doesn't look good. You know, his performances haven't been great. But it's just that. It's two weeks and he's the starter of the New York Jets. You know, what were you expecting? You know, like, I mean, I think the, the perfect point to that is Sam Darnold. You know, he languished in that system for so long and was just average, mediocre. And now he's had a chance to go to a new team, to a new scheme, to a new coach, to a team that actually puts players on the field that are good around him. And look at how improved a season he's having, you know, in Carolina compared to all of the years for the Jets. I mean, he's he's working right now to get the stink of the Jets off of him. That wasn't on him. That was on the Jets. People thought it was a downgrade from Teddy to Darnold, and we're obviously seeing that it really wasn't. Sam Darnold turned out so far, at least under a new system, to be a perfectly serviceable starting quarterback. I mean, it helps he's got a run game now, but... I mean, the highest yardage total Sam Darnold ever had as a New York Jets was 3,024 yards in uh, his second year, 2019. Okay. Obviously, you know, again, we've discussed this pace is unimportant, but, you know, 500-plus yards, almost 600 yards through three games. You know, he's averaging nearly 200 yards per game. You know, so it's much it's much improved over what he was able to do in the Jets because the Jets are just garbage. And you hit it on the head, you know, when you talked about that. I mean, I think all, most football fans have seen that, that uh, little Twitter video of the kid just picking apart the Jets, you know, counting out the players and the independent rushers. Everybody's seen that clip, and everybody's just like, yeah, that's just the Jets. You know, you didn't even really need to look. You just see, like, the highlight of the clip and what you're looking at, and you're like, yep, that's the Jets. Good old Jets. Two linemen talking to themselves on the side. So good. You know, like, I mean, was it the Jets in week one that were literally blocking each other? As O-line players? Like, I mean, the most memorable play of the last 20 years for the New York Jets is the butt fumble. The butt fumble, okay? When that's your team's biggest highlight in 20 years, there's a problem. This is a team that made two consecutive AFC championships. Can anybody I mean, yeah, believe that? Yeah, it the 60s. No, no, I'm talking uh, under Rex. Oh yeah, true. They did they did consecutive AFC Championship games under Rex Ryan about ten years ago. So I mean, it, it's a fairly recent memory, you know. And <laughs> here you are, Mister Football, thinking you have to go back to the '60s and Johnny Johnny Football. Oh boy, that's uh nope. Good old Broadway nope. Joe is where I'm going. You, know, you have to go back to Broadway yeah. Joe to get to the last time they did that. And yeah. you know, and baby, we. I am getting tired. Jesus. You know, there isn't much to worry about. We don't have too, too, too much left to go, Zach. So you're actually, you were doing good here. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for Dynasty. Stamps. We're gonna move on to the Booth Review. I'm gonna do it very, this very quickly because we don't have. There isn't really too, too much to talk I just about. Keep covering my mouth. I keep muting and covering my mouth because I'm yawning <laughs> like a mother. There isn't really but too I'm much there, to I'm review. <laughs> I'm yawning a lot, and I'm trying not to just keep doing yeah. it in the mic. It's there, nuts. I'm like just sitting here like this. 
Thankfully, there's going to be asleep by the time Johnny gets on his sixth soapbox. <laughs> Thankfully, there isn't too much to discuss about week two. You know, as much like as we've had other weeks. So we're going to do this very quickly. And this first part of the booth review is very simple. I told you so! Okay? If you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I spent a long time rallying against the projection. You know? Oh. The pace. And here we are in week two. Gentlemen, week one, Chandler Jones had five sacks. How many sacks does Chandler Jones after week two? Five sacks. But Tom Brady's still on pace for 85. Tom Brady, man. Tom Brady's Tom Brady. I, I think Brady alive. is the exception to like every rule in the book. He's like 48. <laughs> yeah, Brady is, is just, I mean... It's we Gronk. We don't hold the Brady Gronk. standard to anyone else. Gronk is, Gronk right. is playing like Gronk, okay? I mean, Jameis Winston, week one, five touchdowns. Week two, how many touchdowns? Five touchdowns total. You know? How many sacks did Chandler get in week two? I actually don't know. None. None? Dang. None. That's rough. So, I mean. You don't, you don't ever want to follow up a five with a zero. Even five with a one. You know what I mean? Then you're like, uh, but you don't want to be like, whoop, and then be like, I didn't do nothing. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like He's mad they didn't sign him between week one and week two. Right? You know, you, you go out there. From here. You go out there and have, you have one boom, and that's it. You just can't, you don't follow it up. There are exceptions to that rule. Tom Brady, yes, okay, he's on pace. He's done it two weeks in a row. But the pace still isn't going to continue. He's going to have a week where a defense just know, shuts him down. Right. You know, he's going to have a week where he gets one touchdown and the running game gets others. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's the game of football. But, you know, don't get on your high horse because the guy gets five touchdowns in one week and expect that to happen every week. It's not going to happen. All right. All right. right. Um, we don't have too much to talk about either way. I mean, Jameis Winston's week one performance versus his week two performance. Week one, he played like yeah, a new guy. Week, that, yeah. week two, he played like Jameis Winston, traditional. So, don't really much to say there. Then the Packers bounced back in a big way against the Lions. Don't really yeah, have... you should be happy about that. I, and I, I am. I mean, don't really have much to well, say about that. Aaron Jones. Yeah, that was, the biggest takeaway from that game is not from the games or from the players. It is the, you know, the the camaraderie and bonding between the staff and the team and the story. I mean, everybody's heard the story. Aaron Jones, uh, his father passed yeah, away father. in the yeah. off season and he had a, a custom necklace built with, you know, a piece of his father's ashes inside the necklace. And he wears it when he plays games. So his father's always with him. Heartwarming story on his second touchdown of the game, the necklace broke and he lost the pendant. Sad story. You know, he had, this, you know, he said that if there's any place his father would want to be, it's in the end zone. Okay. That's great. It's still a sad story. Head trainer, head trainer for the Green Bay Packers stayed at the stadium until almost 2 a.m. going inch to inch through the end zone to find that pendant. You know, that's, that's crazy. It's a heck find of a story. It? He found it, yeah. It was oh, returned amazing. to him that night. I only heard the, the whole uh, he'd want to be on the on the field kind of thing. The I didn't trainer know he stayed doctored. That's awesome. The trainer was spotted by a reporter who was still there filing reports at like 1 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why. But was spotted in the end zone, like doing like inch to inch searches of the end zone to try and find the pendant, and he did. It was found and it was returned to him. Uh, that it, it was in his locker the next morning. So I wonder if that possible. trainer got some money. I'm I am they sure he didn't do it for the money. Obviously, like he no. didn't do it for the money. But like I'm like if I was Aaron Jones, I'd be like, here you go. <laughs> like you know, you get you're getting a hell of a Christmas gift from Aaron Jones this year. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. 
so I mean, you know, it's it's those it's those things, you know, that remind you of why you're a fan of a team yeah, and cool. a franchise, and you you love those kind of stories. Um, That's cool. I guess the only other question, uh, it's not even so much a question, is a thought. Matt Prater, again, 62 yards, not in Denver this time. Is he the greatest kicker of all time? I don't think he's the greatest kicker of all time, but I think he probably has the best leg. Like, power. I think I think he's got a case for a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, for sure. I don't, for sure. I don't know about best ever. Uh... I'm gonna have to dig up. It's hard to gauge power. kickers on like like a scale. I think. I mean, you know, there's there's Vinatieri and stuff, but I don't know. And the eras in which they play too makes a huge difference, I think, as well. Like you can't you can never judge a pre soccer style kicker versus you know a post soccer style kicker. You know, Garo Yaprimian yeah, right. changed the game. Um, so it's it's hard to judge those guys. You know, it's hard to judge them now with the different changes to, you know, aerodynamics and techniques and, you know, ball pressures and kickballs versus old school ball. You know, there's so many different questions of the greatest kicker. He's probably the greatest distance kicker of all time. I mean, he has three kicks successfully beyond 60 yards. I don't think anybody else has that. I don't yeah. think anybody else has more than one from 60 or more. I think there's a few others that have one from 60. But I don't think anybody else has more than one from beyond sixty, so I think it's safe to say he's the greatest distance kicker of all time. But that's a, another point altogether. Um, Actually, a really good book about a kicker. Okay, what is this? <laughs> the opening kickoff: The tumultuous birth of a football nation by Dave Rebson. It's actually about a kicker from Wisconsin in 1912. Well, I thought this was a joke. I, everything I say a joke. Do you people not take me seriously? Not really. <laughs> Our listeners might. Our listeners might because they don't know you. Um, we, however, know you. So, no. 90% of the time when you say something, we're waiting for the punchline. Ball is a serious subject. Would okay. never, ever we're crack sorry. a joke. We still have to do our pick, don't we? We do, so we're going to just kind of... Punch through. Um, we'll skip the two-minute drill because we're already at you know ninety minutes. Um, it, 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 unless you have one, do either of you have an MVP queued up? Uh, probably Kyler. Kyler, Jared, do you have an MVP of the week? Uh, uh, really well, or Aaron Jones. I would. Uh, I, I'm gonna go with Derrick Henry. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, well. really, there's a lot of contenders this year. Really this came on in the this is a half. big week. That's a good pick. Derek went in. It was a. There's a lot of good football this weekend. There was definitely a lot of. It's football. like he forgot to show up for the first six quarters and then just reminded people who he is. Um, a WTF? Does anyone have a what the fudge sickle? Hmm. What was the really thing? We're gonna do this on the fly. What was the really thing? What? Um. Well, I'll start. My what the fudge? Sickle. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. You, you go ahead. Go ahead. My, go ahead. my what the fudge sickle is clearly the Minnesota Vikings kicker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's rough. That just. Oh boy. I mean, it was the kind of a theme. It, it is a recurring theme. That is probably one of the most. Uh, 
cursed positions in football. I mean, I think he missed, what, two kicks? Two, three kicks in that game, including the game winner, um, which was kind of a gimme kick. It wasn't a particularly difficult one. I think it was, what, 34 yards? Something like that. It was about an extra point distance. So it's not a you know it's not a forty yard kick to win the game or a forty five yard kick to win the game. It's an extra point kick to win the game or thereabouts. My, sorry. Go ahead. My what the fondue is <laughs> what the fondue was the defense doing leaving Rondell Moore that wide open. Oh yeah, that one play. Because there yeah. was nobody anywhere. Anywhere. Yes. What? What? He was he was That's on the fine. biggest island I think I've ever seen. It was just like it's like it was like people forgot their football went on in that section. <laughs> yeah, he he just he just had his own section of the field. Like it was like half the field too. And like it's ridiculous. And there was nobody there. Just, uh, insane. Uh, Jared, did you do your That's what fun. the frog? No, I didn't. But I'm gonna go with that Rondell Moore because that play just dropped my jaw. Like I, yeah, it was, it was silly. When they showed the replay, because you'd figure, like, there's there's somebody there. He just beats the guy, right, and goes in for the yeah, touch. No, there was, there was nobody on that entire half of the field. And I don't know if the safety ran to the wrong side or what went wrong on that play, but, man, I mean, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't have asked for an easier play. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's just one of those. I think. Yeah, it was a touchdown, a big touchdown. Yeah, it was just one of those. You know, every now and again you'll see like a run play where they'll just like part the Red Sea, and the guy will just run downhill, and nobody will yeah. come anywhere close to touching him, and you're just looking around, going like, "Where was everybody?" It doesn't happen very often on a throw where that's the case. You know, because you've usually got the safety out there, or the you know the back covering him, or whoever. There's somebody there. Or somebody close enough that you could be like, okay, that's just a blown coverage. That's fine. It happens. You know, they broke the coverage. Whatever. It's not often that you're just kind of like, um, hello? Yeah. But, all right, uh, let's let's move on. Somebody got an earful (laughs) after that game. Somebody definitely got an earful of this game. Uh, next week, we're going to do a new part of the two-minute drill. Assuming we get any, we're going to add Ask the Audience next week. So if you're listening to this and you have any questions about the game of football you want us to answer, send them into us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Or if you actually have one of us on Facebook, send it to one of us. Uh, actually, send it to me because these guys are likely to forget them and not have them come recording time next okay, week. Um, so, yeah, ask the audience. If you guys have football questions you want us to answer, send them in, and we will uh, dedicate some time during the show. And if we don't get to it then, we'll get to it in the following week. But they, if you send us a question, it will get answered in the next few weeks on this show, depending on time and how much stuff we have to cover based on the week. So it is now time to move on to Pick'ems, where we all generally we all generally had a better week than yeah. week one. Um the highest score in week one was the lowest score in week two. Um, we had some consensus games um, that we picked wrong, and we had quite a few consensus games that we picked right. Everybody picked the Bengals. Whoops. Everybody picked the Steelers. Also, whoops. Everybody picked the Saints. Yikes. Uh, and we all picked the Chiefs. Yeesh. Um, for victories, we all picked the Browns, we all picked the Rams, we all picked the Pats, the Cards, the Bucks, and the Packers. All got them Where right. The best week was, in fact, a tie. Damn. 
And it was not. You put up a 9 of 16. So you were above 500. Oh, my God. It's back-to-back weeks I was last, isn't it? It, it is back-to-back weeks that you were last. Uh, Jared and I okay, tied so when the you send your Q&A in, don't ask Zach. You don't know <laughs> shit. Uh, Jared and I tied the week at 10. At 10. All right, let's do it. I'm winning this week. Let's get this one. Let's go. Jared and I were separated. There was two games that decided the week. Uh, Jared picked the Eagles to win. I picked the Niners. Jared picked the Cowboys to win. I picked the Chargers to win. Those are the two games that separated the week. Also, the Titans. Apparently, I was on an island there. I can't handle this anymore. You guys got me all frustrated. Let's go. I need to pick my winners. We have to give the loser his chance I was, to redeem himself. <laughs> I was wrong on the Giants. That's why we went wrong on that one for the Thursday game. So that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, since the game has obviously already happened, we all already had our picks in for the Thursday night game uh, when we all picked the Panthers. So we all are going into Sunday. Want to know. So let, we'll see if we can uh, continue that streak or not. So we are going to start, obviously, with Sunday games. Um, I'll go first and then... Uh, Zach and then Jerry because that's the order left to right on the spreadsheet. Uh, first game, Washington football team versus the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. Zach? Bills. Jer? Buffalo Bills. Consensus. Let's see how we keep going. Uh, next game, Bears hosting the Browns. Um, Yeah, Browns all the way. Browns. Browns. Jer? I th- I think the Cleveland Browns are going to take a gigantic brown all over the Bears. <laughs> I can certainly believe that. All right, next game is the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Detroit Lions. Um, probably a better game than I would be expecting it to have, but I am going to take the home team again. I'm going to take the Ravens. Ravens, Ravens, Ravens. Ravens. Jer? Of the Baltimore Ravens. Oof, this is going to be a very tight week, it looks like. Um, next game, the Indianapolis Colts host the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to take the Titans, especially with Carson Wentz being hurt. Zach? Yeah, I'm going to take Titans. Jer? I think Wentz being hurt is a more important aspect than you'd think at first glance. Um, but yeah, the, the, I don't trust, uh, who was it? Jacob Eason, the yeah. backup? Yeah, no, no, thank you. Give me none of that. Um, yeah. Titans to to win. Titans, Titans are gonna okay. win. It, it, um, it, if 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 they had a healthy team, it might not be ugly. But it's gonna be ugly because of what they have what they have to put on the field. Yeah. Um. All right. Next game is the Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm I'm gonna pick the Chiefs to roll on them. Oh, I like I, Chiefs. I, gotta, I can't bet against them. And Jer? Herbert is not uh, having the year we thought he was going to have, and I think that's going to continue, and uh, the Chiefs are going to win this. Okay. Next game. This one uh, could be interesting. The New Orleans Saints host the New England Patriots. Um... Yeah, um, I wrote it down one way, but oh god, I'm gonna change it. Um, I think at home in the Superdome, I don't know how Mac Jones gonna handle the. Uh, so far. we are back in the Superdome at this point, right? Hey man, I don't know, man. 
I don't know. Maybe? Uh, Last I heard it was week four. Okay, Johnny, it's supposed to be quick decisions. You're putting too much thought into this. <laughs> well, if it was if it was uh, Saints in the Superdome, then I take the Saints. But if it's Pats in no, a neutral yeah. zone, I'll take the Pats. Did you check then? <laughs> I'm taking the Pats. That's it. I'm taking the Pats. I'm taking the Patriots, but it'll be a close one. It's definitely going to be a ball game. Um, okay, here's a game where we might get some some differences. I don't know. Uh, the Falcons host the Jags. Um, I'm going to take the Falcons. Zach? Falcons. Chair. I have to watch this game. <laughs> no, you just have to pick who's going to win this game. Okay, okay. I, that I can do. Uh, the Falcons. But it, it's Dang it. <laughs> they're they're, they're okay. both going to try really hard to lose this game, and whoever wants to lose the game the least is going to win. This is going to come down to like two or three games, it looks like. Uh, next up, we have the Jets at uh, the Jets hosting the Broncos. Um, yeah, Broncos for me. I, that Jets team just is not a team. We, I, I guess I'm losing another point because I we said what had to happen if it happened last week, so I'm taking the Jets. <laughs> I think this feels like a game where you go in thinking the Broncos are just going to destroy them, and then the Jets suddenly... It definitely has all the makings of a trap game. Right? Um, I mean, the Broncos could very easily put up 35 points on them. (laughs) So... Broncos. All right, Zach is the only person on an island so far. Next game is the Dolphins. Tim and Rondell Moore. This one is Dolphins hosting the Raiders. So we've actually got some choices here because we don't know Tua's status for Sunday. I'm going Raiders. He's got, he's got cracked ribs. He's not playing. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, I'm also going Raiders because Tua's status is in question and – it's a rib injury, which is very easily uh, aggravated. Zach, you also chose Raiders? Yeah. Jer? I think the Raiders are going to win. It's hard not maybe, to. Maybe uh, maybe Edwards will get a touchdown on the count this week. Healthy Tua, and I don't know, it's a different conversation. But, okay, here we go. This game is very interesting, and I think it has all of the makings to potentially be the game of the week. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Los Angeles Rams. This is going to be a good football game. Who are you taking, Johnny? Oh, God. Um, I am going to pick the L.A. Rams. I'm going to go Bucks. I am going to pick... Look at them stats and stuff. <laughs> oh, I was uh, I was checking the over under for this game. <laughs> Probably like three and a half. Uh, a three and a half right spread. now the over under is fifty four point five, and I would take the over on that. Uh, yeah. um, but uh, I think. Ooh. You guys think so much. Oh. <laughs> 
I th- oh, I think the Bucks are gonna win, but I but I don't I I don't like it. Like I <laughs> just sit here. I think the Bucks are gonna win. All right, it's locked I, in. Lock it in it's Bucks. It's the Bucks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, I think it's gonna be the Rams. They're gonna walk in and they're going to steal a win in in Tampa. Um, all right, next game: the Seattle Seahawks host the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I can't in good conscience pick the Vikings because they're the Vikings. Uh, yeah, I hate their guts. I think they stink. And We know I, they won't win by a field goal. I think they're going to be using a new kicker this week, so I think that's not going to help their team at all. So Seahawks because they've got it all together. I think Vikings. I got Vikings. Okay. Jer? I think the Seahawks are going to win. So far, this week is decided wholly and solely on the outcome of the Rams-Bucks game. All eyes will be on that one. Uh, next time, next up, we've got the primetime game Sunday night, where the Green Bay Packers play host to the San Francisco 49ers. And I am going to take the Green Bay Packers. Zach? I'm taking in the 49ers. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be waiting all day for that game. Uh, I mean, I don't know about that, because that 4 o'clock slot with the Rams and Bucks, I think that game is going to keep me pretty occupied. But... Hey, Beckett! Stop... I, damn it, Johnny. Did you not get the joke? Um, I didn't. I guess I missed it. Waiting all day for Sunday night? Oh, right. Oh. You're singing the theme song. Come on, people. Work with me here. Um, the 49ers are going to win. Okay, you're just, you're wrong. Okay. This is our uh, house. We don't, we don't uh-huh. lose in our house to 49ers. Johnny, fly a kite. you've already had your soap opera segment or whatever it is. <laughs> soap box. <laughs> okay. Soap box. Soap operas are in the afternoon. Just soap opera with the amount of crying he's doing. Okay, Monday. Let's go. All right, Monday night game. Philadelphia Eagles play host to division rivals Dallas Cowboys. This game is not hard for me to pick at all, and I hate picking it because if there's any one team that I hate the most in the NFL, it's them. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. I take Cowboys as well. I've got like 15 minutes worth of content on this game. So here's the thing. Here's (laughs) Dallas's offense. And... No. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted Zach to lose his mind for a second there, but the Dallas Cowboys are going to I'm win. Gonna work in the morning, boys. <laughs> okay, that's it. Cowboys, there's your win. So it's going to come down to two games. Either Jer will win by two, or I will win by two. There will be no ties next week, unless well, I can't win. I said unless Zach runs the table. Oh. Sorry. In which, if Zach gets right the ones that he picked independently, he's on an island twice for two games, and uh, Vikings and Jets. Vikings yeah. and Jets. <laughs> if the Vikings and Jets win, then there could be a tie between Jer and Zach. I don't want the Jets to win. I don't want the Jets. I, to win. I, but you picked them on the principle of. I, I understand you picked them on the principle of if you pick the Broncos, they lose. I get that. So I'm saying if the Jets actually win and your streak breaks then 
you have a chance of tying with Jair. You, you you would tie with Jair if you run the table. If the Vikings and the Jets both win, you would tie with Jair. Um, no tie situation for me. It's a win or it's a loss. Uh, we'll find out next week what exactly it will be. Guys, it's been a great show tonight. We went to... Our socials, please. <laughs> what was that? No, I wanted Zach, to be cool Zach's, and do it for once. Zach's giving us God the bum rush. It. God dang it. We're getting the bum <laughs> rush. I just wanted to be... I wanted to beat Johnny too. I thought I was going to get it. Dang it, and JR wasn't ready. He always gets to say, Jer, what's our socials? Jer, tell him where to find oh. us on Twitter. See? On Twitter, we are at Handoff Inside. Um, I've been kind of slacking a little bit, only because I'm in school now. But I'm going to pick back up. and uh, So feel free to hit us up with some questions for our uh, Q&A session next week, which I think we're working on. Indeed. And, um, yeah. Good times. I actually shared a picture on that account yesterday that said uh, Matt Ryan's leading receivers this season, Edwards, two touchdowns, Calvin Ridley, one touchdown, and Cordero Patterson, one touchdown. Oh, and Mike Edwards plays for the Buccaneers. I find it amusing that uh, I posted that in our football chat, and then two hours later, you post a different version of the same meme on our Twitter account. <laughs> tremendous. So that that is pretty funny. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at the Inside Handoff. We're not quite as active there as we are other places, but we will eventually get a group up that we can you know talk about football and all things football there, where you can you know have your say and talk to us on a more ongoing basis about our opinions and thoughts and things like that on professional football. And of course, if you want a question answered on our show, send it in on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you can find any of us. And uh, we will definitely get to it uh, based on time availability within the next couple of weeks. Uh, folks, this has been a lot of fun. We have a lot of great stuff to talk about. I got on my soapbox a couple times. Um, I'll try and leave it at home next week, even though I record from home. So I'll try and leave it in another room next week, maybe. Um. <laughs> your brother to keep it company for an hour or two. <laughs> Just leave it somewhere else. All right, guys. For Jair... For Zach, I'm Johnny. This has been a pleasure. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Inside Handoff.